really don't understand, do you? Hey, man, don't you realize in order for us to make this thing work, man, we've got to get rid of the pimps and the pushers and the prostitutes and then start all over again clean. Hey, look, nobody's pushing me anyway, okay? I mean, not you, not the cops, nobody, man. I mean, you want to get rid of the pushers, I'll help you. But don't send your people after me. Oh, come on, John. Can't you see that we can't get rid of one without getting rid of the other? We got to come down on both of them at the same time in order for this whole thing to work for the people. Hey, look, nobody's closing me out of my business. Welcome to another episode of Black Vocracy, episode 9, where we are providing you with insightful information in hopes that will allow you to be inspired, to be able to change the way you see things, so you can change your reality. Today I want to cover something that's titled Sons of the Soil. And there was a quote by one of the famous journalists during slavery a man by the name of david walker who actually founded and started the, the walker's appeal <clears throat> and he once said that unless you are united you will be afraid to trust secrets to one another unless you are united you will be afraid to trust secrets to one another and this is something i want to get in today regarding the sons of the soil to give us a brief better understanding about the economic disparity that's often talked about and how we continue to finance our own oppression. It is a known fact that African Americans have fought in nearly every war initiated by the United States, but yet have the least amount to show for it in terms of economic dominance. From the Green Mountain Boys during the American Revolutionary War in 1776 all the way up to Death Storm in 1992. We've been there, done that consistently in the United States military. You name it, black men and women have done it. And we've done this since being imported into these United States. Heck, they even used a black woman to scout for them during the Civil War a lady named by the name of Miss Harriet Tugman. <clears throat> now, what do that tell you? I guess the white woman wasn't available or was too busy watching Mandingo. But nevertheless, even during the War of 1812, the governor of New Orleans, former President Andrew J Jackson, <clears throat> used the term adopted children to summon black men for their support against the British military at the Battle of Camelot. But yet, in 1831, he still instructed Martin Van Buren to question the British minister regarding establishing a treaty that would allow slave owners to reclaim slaves who had migrated to Canada. I could go even further to substantiate my position regarding this matter. However, it's not needed. There's more than enough information available that would align black people's contribution to the United States today. All you have to do is go Google it for yourself. Okay? So now, I will address this nomenclature called the sons of the soil, while also tying in Eli Whitney and his cotton gin. So this will be our topic or our title uh, for this episode and our topic of the day. Sons of the soil. Eli Whitney and his cotton gin.
Now, for centuries, black people have been tillers of the ground. I mean, we built ancient as well as modern civilization. This is a fact. Some would even argue that this dates back to our father Adam, the first man created, and continue with the enslavement of the Hebrews under, under the tyranny of Pharaoh and his army. But when we search deeper into the metaphysics of this phrase, this sons of soil, it signifies something much higher. First, son doesn't always mean having a male offspring. I want to repeat that. Son doesn't always mean having a male offspring. There is a second definition to this word son. Son can also mean a person deriving from a particular source, such as a country, a race, or even school. Okay? Now, soil, on the other hand, is contributed to something stained or dirty. Therefore, on a higher level of knowledge and understanding, sons of the soil implies Africa, which is country. That's one of the definitions I just gave you to the word son. Because when we think about son, automatically our mind always go to uh, our male offspring or our uh, uh, baby and so forth. Or we think about a child. No, there's a second definition. Okay, and again, I just stated again, one of those definitions has to do with the word country. Son can also mean country, race, or even school. You follow me? Okay, so let's go back. Again, on a higher level of knowledge, you got to go above your, your uh, physical mentality or surroundings. I'm trying to take us up. On a high level of knowledge and understanding, sons of the soil implies Africa. And, and what is Africa? Africa is a continent, right? Okay. But the population that's on that conti continent makes up a country. And as we know, black is a race. And knowledge is associated with school. Okay, so there you have it. Those definitions also relate to son. And that which has been stained, defiled, or made dirty. Now, when these words were spoken around 1831, in the eyes of many whites, it was confirming perpetual servitude against black people and their posterity, meaning their future generations. However, for black people, it represented something totally different. We perceived it um, differently than the way white people saw it. For black people, it symbolized a sense of place and awareness. The sons of soil. It symbolized a sense of place and awareness, as well as identity and mental liberation. I want to repeat that again. It symbolized a sense of place and awareness as well as identity and mental liberation, meaning that it set us free 
from the atrocities that was oftentimes being experienced by our ancestors on those plantations. And although many blacks during early slavery dreamed of Africa, in reality, that nostalgia of returning home soon became a distance past. Meaning that the longer that you was on these northern shores, there was an amnesia that had started to take place. That in the minds of those African slaves, they had started to forget Africa. Those who understood this reality began to look deep within themselves to resolve their issues. And this is a point that should be taken very seriously. Many and many times we think outside of our own self in hopes that someone else will come in our community to solve our problems. No, we have to look as our ancestors did from the plantation life, looking deep within ourselves to resolve our own issues. The very idea of most white people identifying sons of the soil to subhuman or so-called subhuman people spoke directly to the spirit of slaves. These commercial holders diabolical scheme of labeling the colorization of brown and dark skinned people as being cursed and stained was in direct opposition of sound religious doctrine. After all, God Most High did create human life out of the most excellent of mold. The most excellent of mold. And this is one of the reasons why we have to strive for human excellence globally as well as locally. Sons of the soil amongst blacks was used as a passing of the torch that would allow future generations to achieve greater heights within the African-American community. And if slaves was able to take something that was meant to demoralize and subjugate another human being then it goes without saying that the obstacles we face today can be and should be easily hurdled. And we find too many excuses nowadays. You know, we use too many crutches nowadays. Saying that we can't do this or saying we can't do that. No, that's not what the slaves said. They took something negative that white folks at that time deemed as sons of the soil and turned it into something positive. And that's what we've been doing since we've been here on these shores, taking something negative and turning it into something positive. And this is not to say there will not be any new challenges because racism is much more sophisticated now. And I think we all know that at this point it's very sophisticated you thinking it's on such a physical level uh because someone is actually uh spearing uh uh language that gets a rise out of you no when you understand how economics work how the commercial scheme works you will truly come to understand that racism is on a whole nother level on how we view it now, this sons of the soil may very well be called sons of the oil 
due to the power structure and the slick commercial scheme that's in play. But nevertheless, we must continue being that saying that neutralizes inequality on all levels. The sons of the soil, as seen through the eyes of slaves, it was about the blood, the sweat, which is the equity, and the tears that helped launch capitalism in these United States. And while African Americans until this day continue to defend the United States Constitution, both foreign and domestically, which makes it a really strange relationship when you think about it, when one reflects upon America's history, this taking of uh, the oath, as they say, we're sworn to defend the United States Constitution, both foreign and domestically, should lead anybody to start thinking about this commercial contract. I mean, isn't it safe to say that blacks have given enough concessions to a social compact, the United States Constitution, that still to this day is only considered a privilege by hidden power brokers across the seas. It's not inconceivable to think that the sons of the soil could seed from this commercial instrument since all contracts have a termination date. Exactly what am I talking about? Anytime you render yourself to a contract, there are several elements that are involved. And if you sign off on it, meaning that you've given your pledge of allegiance, then you have obligated yourself to that contract. In law, there is no such thing as a life contract. And therefore, black people had to be emancipated in 1863. Forced labor in this case was really a forced contract which is really not an agreement at all. Because anytime you're forced into something, that's really not an agreement. So we've just been accepting this contract with no contingency clauses, with no concessions. We have just really been going through the cycle of life here in these United States without ever demanding what we want based upon this contract that is known as the United States Constitution. All that's happening now is we have extended our trust by incorporating ourselves voluntarily for the goods and services for these United States. So we voluntarily do these things unknowingly and if we are to remain the sons of the soil then it's fair to say that rich soil should be our dwelling place not just earthly soil because there's different types of soil but rich soil should be our dwelling place economics should be what we're going after we as African American people should not have to file a public oath of poverty since our ancestors' unpaid sweat equity has already provided the seed money. On that note, we're going to go to commercial break and we'll be right back in 15 seconds. 
Do you owe back taxes to the IRS or facing being audited? Are you receiving your fair share of payment taxes that's owed to you? We at Tax2Go offer each of our clients quality service that they can depend on. Just give us a call at 972-298-1212 or log on to Tax2Go.com. Tax2Go, where you will experience tax returns prepared for less. Thank you and welcome back. So now let's continue. And I want you all to keep in mind, although the sons of the soil was viewed as a negative by some privileged white people, black people turned it into a positive while enduring a tremendous amount of hardships. They found their way out of the darkest of circumstances, even when light wasn't always easily obtainable. So therefore, children of the sons of the soil, I want you to listen. Listen to the voices of our ancestors as they scream from the tombs of their graves. I want you all to feel the trembles from the earth as she vibrates her anger. And know that the stain of blood exposed from African flesh has long dissolved in this earthly sand in the northern hemisphere and continue to remember that as the sun rises in the east so shall the son of man be in the west and therefore sons of the soil we must always always exemplify our best now let's talk about this Eli Whitney and his cotton gin and in the words of one of our famous brothers who once said, only in America, as by our brother Don King, the famous boxing promoter, only in America. I recall back in elementary school, uh, during the month of February, known as Black History Month, learning about a young white male inventor and engineer by the name of Eli Whitney. And he was born in Boston, Massachusetts. And what I remember most about Whitney growing up was his invention of a gadget called the cotton gin. Of course, as a young boy in the fifth grade, I thought it was pretty cool hearing about this newly invention uh, machine. However, once I became of age, my outlook regarding Eli Whitney drastically changed. What I deemed as a once great idea in American history soon became a great lesson in skullduggery. And to put it plain and simple, Whitney wasn't sugar, honey, iced tea. <laughs> sugar, honey, iced tea. He wasn't sugar, honey, iced tea. I'm repeating that. Because when it came to the suffering of black people in, in, in slavery, his little cotton producing machine definitely was a major part of the problem and definitely not a part of the solution during slavery. In 1793, exactly 17 years after the start of the American Revolution in 1776 and one year after the United States Constitution was enacted, Eli Whitney, a young graduate of Yale University, was visiting Mulberry Bush Plantation in Virginia when he overheard two men speaking about the difficulties of separating cotton. Of course, hearing this, Whitney began sketching out a wooden box 
with an opening and turn handle that separated fiber from seeds at a remarkable rate. And I'm quite sure Eli Whitney was proud of his accomplishments while being applauded by his European friends, these international bankers. And the thought of Whitney's newly invented economy was a major setback for black people. So after the American Revolution, there was a decline in slavery. You see? In Congress, in 1807, even voted to end the slave trade of human beings. However, prior to this, the textile industry was growing and brought the use of cotton in both England and the United States markets. England itself went from 13,000 bales of cotton. Listen to this carefully, because I want to say this again. England went from 13,000 bales of cotton in 1781 to 871,000 in 1831. Meanwhile, the United States rapidly increased its production to 1 million. To 1 million in the United States. So this economic spike in both countries revitalized the need for cheap labor. And of course, where else to look other than the black man and woman? The cotton gin assured another increase in slavery. That's what this little machine that he, Eli Whitney invented, that's what it did. It assured another increase while bringing back slavery. Hell, slavery could have been unended had it not been for the cotton gin. So by 1806, American ships was once again plowing their way through maritime and into Africa to go get the human cargo. Even after Congress had made this uh, ruling that the slave trade was no longer to be after 1807. So between 1806 to 1819, roughly 20,000 slaves had been kidnapped and carried into the state of Virginia. By 1831, an estimated 150,000 slaves had been smuggled between the North and South. And without question, the Cotton Kings was making a fortune off this fiber separating machine, while all along ignoring the Prohibition Act for slavery in 1807. But this wasn't unknown to those working in government. No. They just chose to remain silent until someone from the abolitionist movement raised the issue. Government also had its hand in the cookie jar while needing to fill the coffers of the United States Treasury. And they therefore chose to look the other way. Of course, this should not come as a surprise. See, everybody was benefiting from it, reaping a benefit from it, becoming millionaires from it. And having been in a position to support their posterity. And I don't see much that has changed even today. And it's a known fact that some government officials back then were slave owners themselves. So, to keep the hound dogs off their trail, occasionally government would send out a United States vessel to search the waters for American slave ships just to appease those opposing the slave trade like the abolitionists. <laughs> Make no mistake about it, listening audience. 
that their real interest was maximizing their profits from cotton fever. Eli Whitney, being a graduate of Yale University, an inventor, saw the great economic gain from his little cotton-making gin, amounting while recognizing the need for mass production. And like many who chose to look the other way, Whitney wasn't a great inventor to me. He was just a great sprinter, as in running towards the bank. Now, here is something that I do find interesting that I would like to share with you all. And that is the name that he chose for his little contraption called Gin. G-I-N. And I don't think at the time of this invention, this was commonly used in America. Gin. And I took the privilege of looking this word up just because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with it, but I wanted to make sure. And Webster's Dictionary defines gin, listen to this carefully. It defines gin as one, a trap and snare. Two, a machine to separate seeds from cotton. Again, the first two definitions is a trap and a snare. Of course, it's fair to say that the name derived from the word engineer. Because in the word engineer, you have gin, G-I-N. And if this is the case, then why the emphasis on those three letters? I mean, couldn't he just as well have called this little machine the near? I mean, he could have just called it N-E-E-R. But he chose the word gin. My point in all of this is quite simple. The evil that produced slavery was birthed out of the love and the worship for wealth. And as a student of history, I already know that the hidden meaning behind gin, G-I-N, carries with it a negative false showing. When studying the etymology of this term, I believe it takes its origin from the Arabic word jinn, which is spelled J-I-N, which means to be dark. It means to conceal. It means to cover. It also means to be mad with anger. This word jinn, this Arabic word jinn, J-I-N. Also madness, insanity, and diabolical is closely associated with the word jinn according to the classical Arabic dictionary. And in my further research, I found that it indicates that jinns are hidden or concealed spirits created out of fire. I want to repeat that again. Further research indicates that jinns are hidden or concealed spirits that was created out of fire. Of course, this word is also a play on the liquor beverage gin. And how many of y'all remember the song by Snoop Dogg? How did it go? Walking down the street, sipping on what? Gin and juice? 
And any person who's ever tasted this distilled beverage will tell you that it causes a chemical disturbance. That's what gin does. This look of gin. It causes a chemical disturbance that heats up your internal organs. And it sometimes can lead you to getting angry and fire with passion. You know how many people have been murdered, have fought because of alcohol and liquor? You know why there's a gun store nearly on every block in the black community? Or a liquor store on nearly every block in the black community? Yeah. So we can kill each other. So we can oppress each other. And they use this word gin. Understand, good people, that any person can master their gin. Just like the genie in the bottle. That's another word they play on. Like the genie inside of a bottle. However, once loose, if you let this gin out, it can become very disobedient. Like in your behavior. Europeans lost control of their gin. Therefore, they lost control of their moral nature. They didn't care anymore about humanity. All they cared about was the wealth. The previous definition from the Arabic dictionary speaks directly to the thinking and the imp that was behind the masterminds of slavery. Although the gin term is used in a transitive or intransitive sense, meaning for good or bad. It could be either or. So you can make your gin, the spirit submit. Or you can allow this gin to control you. Just like when I talk about the look of gin, you can have too much gin and then it starts to control you or you can have it in moderation and you can control it. So it can be good or bad. And white slaveholders elected to use their gin for bad. Therefore, Eli Whitney's cotton gin was put in place to help continue the enslavement of black people. And no doubt, one would have been drunk on gin to have justified owning another human being. Eli Whitney's device suggests will have been called Cotton Nig, N-I-G, short for nigger, and gin spelled backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the words, N-I-G, which is a play on the word we use, whether if you say nigger or nigger, because there's no positive effect on neither way you're saying it. But if you look at the word gin, it's just a play on the word nigger. Spell backwards. Because that one little patent design assisted in destroying the lives of many black families. Slaves were often separated and sold to other cotton plantations to work and maintain those fields. And now today, we have cotton shirts, cotton sweaters, cotton socks, cotton underwear, 
And hell, we even have cotton candy. But we still don't have one cotton Fortune 500 company that's been founded and owned by an African-American man or woman. And you wonder why we need a black democracy. I thank you for joining me for another episode of Black Vocracy. And I pray that I have provided some insights to this particular topic called Sons of the Soil, Eli Whitney and his cotton gin. Now, before I conclude, I want to invite you all out to the first annual Black Vocracy Podcast Social Mixer, Saturday, December the 12th at the Zuri Lounge in Arlington, Texas. And we're going to get that started about 6.30 p.m. And it should last about till 1.30 a.m. And we're going to have live music, food, drinks, and free giveaways. We will be adhering to the CDC guidelines, making sure that we keep everyone safe. So if you don't have anything to do, come out to good vibes and enjoyment and let us uh, look forward to the upcoming new year of 2021 as we also celebrate the Sagittarius birthday bash. Of course, I'm a Sagittarius. My birthday December the 15th. And so to all the Sagittarius out there listening to Black Vocracy, we want you to come out as well. So again, this is going to conclude the ninth episode. I thank you for listening. And as always... Be safe and keep God first. You really don't understand, do you? Hey, man, don't you realize in order for us to make this thing work, man, we've got to get rid of the pimps and the pushers and the prostitutes and then start all over again clean. Hey, look, nobody's pushing me anyway, okay? I mean, not you, not the cops, nobody, man. I mean, you want to get rid of the pushers, I'll help you. But don't send your people after me. John, can't you see that we can't get rid of one without getting rid of the other? We gotta come down on both of them at the same time in order for this whole thing to work for the people. Hey, look, nobody's closing me out of my business.